Welcome to the fucking show. And sorry, I know you guys wanted to clap, but everything I'm going to say is going to be amazing. Uh, how do you pay, man? Uh, if you don't write checks, how do you pay these guys? Great cash, homie. Mama, there goes that man. Hello and welcome to episode 97 of Karsten Sack Podcast, where we talk balls. The last time we talked, it was right before bowl season. I gave you a full preview and breakdown of all the bowls that were going to be happening. We were on the precipice of the NFL playoffs, and the college football playoff was soon to begin. My predictions for the college football playoff played out Perfectly. Everything that I said was going to happen happened. Alabama beat Cincinnati in their semifinal game. Georgia Bulldogs beat the Michigan Wolverines in their semifinal game. And then in the championship game, Georgia ultimately came out on top against Alabama. So a nice little pat on my back for those correct predictions. Um, As I said, the last time we did talk was the week before Christmas. Took some time off for the holidays to spend time with my family, my friends, and then started a new job. So getting acquainted with that. Um, Haven't had time to record up until this point. So taking the time to do that because, as I said previously, the NFL playoffs were due to start pretty soon the last time we talked, but now we are on the precipice. They are about to start this week, so I wanted to get a an abbreviated. It is going to be a shorter podcast this week. There is no mail sack. I will be back next week with a mail sack, though. So keep your eyes peeled on Snapchat and Instagram for those. But this week, a shorter one, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the NFL playoffs, give my predictions for that, and then talk a little bit about the college football national championship game that happened. And then we'll touch on some big games in college basketball now that conference play has started. Um, A lot of good games coming up this week and this weekend. So we're going to talk a little bit about those at the very end. But... Um, before we get into any of that, like, rate, review, subscribe, all that other good stuff that this same song and jazz, you know how it goes, um, on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever you might get your podcast from, it helps me out tremendously. We are now going to skip past the mail sack. As I said, there's not one this week. My apologies. And we are going to get right into, uh, some discussion and some previews for the NFL playoffs. We start off in the AFC, the Titans, the surprising Titans. After Derrick Henry goes down early in the season, the Titans find a way to win games that they shouldn't have won. They beat the Chiefs, notably, who are the two seed in the AFC. Um, The Bills sitting there at number three after they win the AFC East. The Bengals, surprisingly, after Lamar Jackson goes down for the Ravens. The Ravens miss the playoffs, but the Bengals capitalize on that opportunity, and they are winners of the AFC North in Joe Burrow's second year. The Raiders, the five seed after that crazy Sunday night game that we all saw. We were all hoping for the tie, I assume. I know I was. A crazy scenario where if both teams tied, both teams would have made it. But ultimately, the Raiders go ahead and kick the field goal in overtime and secure their spot in the playoffs. 
followed up by the Patriots coming in the wild card with Mac Jones in his rookie year. A lot of that is defense related, so it'll be interesting to see how that that third matchup between the Bills and the Patriots go. And then the Steelers sneaking in at the very end, beating the Ravens the last week, beating the Browns the week before that in Big Ben's final, more than likely, home game with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, Looking at it now, we shift focus to the NFC, the Packers, the one seed, back-to-back Seasons with 13-plus wins, extremely impressive. The Bucks sitting there at number two seed after they win the NFC South, but a ton of turmoil for them with Antonio Brown um, losing his fucking mind once again during one of the games, throwing off his jersey, his pads, his gloves, leaving in the midst of the Jets game that previously the Bucks were losing, but they do come out on top in that one. The three seed, the NFC East champions, the Dallas Cowboys, who after last year and Dak's injury, how he came back and played well, how there's been questions at times with the run game and the offense not clicking from time to time, but that defense has stepped up incredibly after retooling that in the offseason through the draft with Micah Parsons, who is not only a candidate for defensive rookie of the year, but possibly rookie of the year overall. That will probably go to Jamar Chase, if we're being honest, because NFL Offensive League and Jamar Chase has been a revelation for the Bengals, but Parsons along with Diggs, and I know Diggs gets a lot of hate because he, I believe he's the only defender when primarily targeted to give over, give up over a thousand yards receiving, um, crazy, but part of that defense that it was retooled by Jerry Jones and that coaching staff, um, that led them to winning the NFC East this year. Then, sitting at number four, the winners of the NFC West after dwelling in second and third for a little while, the Los Angeles Rams. Then followed up number five, the Arizona Cardinals. Both those teams come from the NFC West. The Cardinals um, leading the NFC West for most of the year, but down the stretch faltered a little bit and ultimately leads to the Rams taking over. On the sixth seed, you have the San Francisco 49ers who have put some things together um, coming down the stretch here with Garoppolo looking decent, that defense looking even better and better, Debo Samuel getting involved um, even more heavily than he already is in that offense. Um, excited to see that matchup between the Cowboys and the 49ers. And then rounding out the NFC at the wild card is the Eagles with Serrani in his first year with Jalen Hurts as the starter. They trade away Carson Wentz. Ultimately, back in the playoffs after that, leaning more on the run game uh, down the in down the stretch in the second half of the season. Once Hertz went out and Sanders went out, ultimately, um, Serrani decided to lean a little bit more on Jordan Howard and Boston Scott, and it seems like there was a total 180 in what this team was. Uh, pound the ball, run it a lot, let Hertz create a little bit, um, but don't make it to where he's going to be making forceful airs, and ultimately that's turned them into winning games. So uh, a ton to talk about and a ton to get into. I am going to start on Saturday, January 15th at 4.30. We have the Raiders going to the Bengals. Bengals have not won a playoff game since 1990, 1991. I'm sure everybody has seen the tweet or the fact that nobody has ever talked about, uh, excuse me, texted about a Bengals victory because the first text was sent in 1992 or something like that, and the... Last Bengals victory was the year before that. Regardless, I don't think Cincinnati has seen an offense as good as it has this year um, since 
the last playoff victory. You can argue about the Carson Palmers, the Chad Ochocincos, the Terrell Owens, all that. Um, the Andy Dalton-led years occasionally. I just think that this Bengals offense, paired with a defense that um, was retooled, that brought in a few guys um, this past offseason that has really helped them, notably Hendrickson from the Saints, who, looking at the year, has, let's see, 14 sacks. Very impressive. They bring in Von Bell. They bring in Wilson, um, who's got over 100 tackles on the year. So defense retooled for the Raiders. Obviously, they lose John Gruden in the middle of the year. Um, it'll be interesting to see how this Raiders team um, goes about this game. These two teams have previously matched up already this year. That saw the Bengals coming out with a victory 32-13 to in that game. Joe Burrow wasn't Broadway Joe or anything like that. A very solid 148 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Joe Mixon was the primary guy that day. 30 carries, 123 yards, and two touchdowns. Um, in that game, Derek Carr went uh, 19 of 27, 215 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. Josh Jacobs was rendered pretty much useless on the ground, nine carries for 37 yards. But Darren Waller was able to pick his spots and had seven receptions and 116 yards. Ultimately, I just don't foresee a way that the Bengals don't win this game. Um, the game being in Cincinnati, I think, helps a ton. Um, the fans there might be able to will these guys towards a victory in this one. I will ultimately say the Bengals get their first win um, in however many years it's been uh, playoff-wise. I will go with the Bengals over the Raiders on Saturday. And then we look to the 8-15 game on Saturday. We have the Patriots going to Buffalo to play the Bills. Um, we all recall that game early on in the middle of the season where the just snow took over. The weather was a huge factor. Patriots threw the ball two or three times, and the Patriots were able to get that victory. Um, the next time those two teams played, um, the Bills went and won 33-21. to I think that's more what is going to be the case in this game. There is some inclement weather, but it's not really as prevalent as it was in the first game. Um, so that second game, what I'm thinking the game is going to be more um, like in that game, Josh Allen, 314 yards and three touchdowns. He was the team's leading rusher for the Bills with 64 yards, but Devin Singletary has come on a little bit more um, after returning from injury and down the stretch that could help this Bills team add another element to that offense where it's been mostly the Josh Allen show, the Stephon Diggs show. If they can have a consistent running game, which you hear the trope all the time, run game and defense wins championships. The Bills' defense is good enough to help them win a championship, but the run game in the previous years since Josh Allen has been there just hasn't been as good as needed to provide that second facet of the offense. If Singletary can just be serviceable, um, what he was down the stretch, then I think they have a good chance to do a lot in these playoffs. Moving on, though, back to the game that I uh, am talking about. The Bills and the Patriots um, previously played the second time. In that game, Mac Jones, 145 yards, but two interceptions. Damian Harris, they leaned on him again. 18 carries, 103 yards, and three touchdowns. So he was um, all of the points for the Patriots. And then Jacoby Myers, 59 yards. 
Again, I've said this multiple times when asked about it on the mail sack and in talking about the Patriots this year. They have a good team. They're obviously good enough to make the playoffs because they did, but I don't think Mac Jones is there quite yet when it needs like when you need a quarterback to go win you a game, which he's going to have to do at some point in this game, I feel like, if the Patriots are going to win. I don't think he's ready for that just yet. Um, Harris will probably be leaned on or relied on heavily on the ground game um, to take some of that pressure off and like pick your spots type thing with Mac Jones. And the defense for the New England Patriots is going to have to play extremely well if they're going to stay in this. But ultimately, I just think that Josh Allen and that Bills offense makes too many big plays, um, puts up too many points, and then the Bills end up beating the Patriots in this rematch for the third time this year so ultimately i have the bills over the patriots we now switch from saturday to sunday where the one o'clock game is the eagles at the buccaneers buccaneers going to be without chris godwin going to be without antonio brown it is going to be extremely interesting to see how these two teams excuse me how the Buccaneers respond after losing Antonio Brown, after losing Chris Godwin. Um, this is a game that has already happened this year. The Buccaneers won 28-22. to um, If I recall this game correctly, it wasn't as close as it really, the score indicates. At one point in that game, the score was 28-7. to Jalen Hurts led a comeback that ultimately fell short in that game. Um, Tom Brady, two touchdowns. Leonard Fournette, two touchdowns on the ground. Jalen Hurts, 115 yards and a touchdown. Looking at the matchup we have on Sunday, the Buccaneers did designate Levante David, Leonard Fournette, and Giovanni Bernard for return. As I had mentioned previously, there's been a total shift for the Eagles on offense, really relying heavily now on the run. It is going to be interesting to see how their rushing attack is able to go against the defense and the front seven of the Buccaneers. It's also going to be interesting to see how the Buccaneers with going up against a Eagles rushing, uh, excuse me, defensive attack that is gotten better over the course of the year um, when going up against the run. But also, the back half, the secondary, has done well. But they haven't faced a player like Tom Brady in a while, even if um, two out of his top three, if you if you want to argue Gronk is in that too. But he's going to be there. He wasn't there for the first game. But having Antonio Brown and Chris Godwin out, it'll be interesting to see how in this game and then going forward, um, Leftwich and Brady and the head coach are able, and excuse me, Arians, the head coach, are able to, to figure out ways to get guys in space and one-on-one matchups and things like that um, so they can exploit some mismatches and Brady can get guys with certain skill sets the ball that are going to help them win. I think this game's going to be much closer uh, than what is anticipated. Um, I think it can go back and forth at time to time, but I just think that the Buccaneers are going to be a little too much. Looking at the spread for this game, is it eight and a half? Um, I'll take the Eagles against the spread, but I do think the Buccaneers ultimately do end up winning this game and moving on to the next round. Um, the 430 game, we have the Cowboys and the 49ers. As I mentioned, the game is at Dallas. Looking back now, have these teams played each other this year? They have not. Coming into this game, I think both of these teams got an extremely tough draw. Um Two teams that are extremely hot right now, uh, the Cowboys coming off. Their offense has been 
I don't want to say hit or miss, but they've had bigger weeks some weeks than what normally anticipated. The key for the Cowboys in this game is going to be their offensive line. They have to give Dak some time, but they're also going to have to be able to create running lanes for Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. Ezekiel Elliott, after having a bit of an up-and-down year, um, for the 49ers, it's going to be about Jimmy Garoppolo, and if he can, if that Dallas Cowboys offense is hitting and is having one of their better games, is he going to be able to match big play with big play for that offense, or is he going to have some turnovers that um, cost the 49ers in the end? I do think, though, the winning formula in the playoffs, the run and the defense, ultimately favors the 49ers in this one. I think their defense is a bit more consistent, whereas the Cowboys is a bit more of like splash plays, like big plays, takeaways, where the 49ers defense is more sound and just ultimately better. The run game and the different ways Shanahan can get guys involved like Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, um, and Elijah Mitchell. I ultimately do think that the 49ers are able to get this victory on the road in a tough matchup in the first round in the wild card. I think this has the chance to be the game of the weekend. Um, it's going to be extremely exciting. Um but ultimately, I do have the 49ers going ahead and winning this game. The next game um, on the slate that we have to look at is the, the Sunday night game. The Steelers going to the Chiefs. I think this one is sort of cut and dry. Um, the Steelers snuck into the playoffs that defense is going to be good I can see it giving Mahomes some problems but I just don't think that the Chiefs defense is bad enough to where the Steelers are going to be able to put up a ton of points um ultimately I just think that the Chiefs have too much it's going to be in Arrowhead it's going to be at night Arrowhead is a tough place to play um especially in the playoffs one of the few places that I think that the fans actually do make a difference in the NFL. I am going to take the Chiefs to beat the Steelers and move on to the second round of the playoffs. And then wrapping up the first week of the NFL playoffs, we have the Cardinals going up against the Los Angeles Rams on Monday night. I am going to go with the Rams in this one. It'll be interesting to see how the offensive line is able to handle um, the defensive front for the Cardinals. The Cardinals have been pretty good front seven-wise all year. If the Rams' offensive line can open up some holes for Sonny Michel um, and Cam Akers possibly coming back, which is insane after his injury, um, it'll be also extremely important for Stafford to cut down on just stupid turnovers that forcing the ball or whatever reason um, that just don't need to happen. But I do think that if Hopkins isn't back, which at the moment, let me take a look. Yeah, after looking, he isn't slated to return. J.J. Watt is supposed to come back after he was diagnosed with a season-ending injury early on in the year. He's slated to come back, but still might not come back. That would be a big loss um, again for the Cardinals. I just think the Rams have too much offensive firepower, and I understand that Kyler is one of the more exciting players, but I don't think that... It's going to go well enough for them, for the Cardinals, that they do ultimately end up winning. So I am going to take the Rams over the Cardinals um, to move on to the second week. Moving on to the divisional round, if my math is correct, the matchups we have for that are the Titans versus the Bengals. 
with the Titans hosting the Chiefs, hosting the Bills in the AFC, and then in the NFC with the Packers hosting the 49ers and the Buccaneers hosting the Rams. In these matchups, I will start with the one versus four seed in the AFC, the Titans going up against the Bengals. I think the Titans find a way to get it done. That defense has improved dramatically since the beginning of the year, and it just seems like in big games, Vrabel has the Titans ready to play. Um, a huge, huge factor that benefited the Titans getting that by is all signs are pointing to Derrick Henry more than likely making a return to the lineup for the Titans in that second round matchup. I think pairing that with a healthy um, A.J. Brown, a healthy Julio Jones as well on the offensive side of the ball, um, who Julio played well in the final week of the season. I think the Titans and that defense, along with the returning starters being fully healthy and rested, give the Titans an extremely good chance of beating whoever they play in the second round. It just happens to be the Bengals. I will go with the Titans over the Bengals in the first in the uh, divisional round. The next game. If everything shakes up how it is supposed to be, I think this has a chance to be another one of the better games in the playoffs. The Chiefs going up against the Bills. This is a rematch of a game that already took place this week in week five of the NFL season. The Bills went into Arrowhead where the game would be happening again for the second time in the playoffs, but the Bills end up winning 38-20. to Patrick Mahomes had an uncharacteristically like Patrick Mahomes game that day. 272 yards and two touchdowns, that's pretty standard, but two interceptions. Josh Allen was... A basically do-it-all man that game. He went and had 315 yards and three touchdowns for the air and then had 11 carries and 59 yards and one touchdown. And uncharacteristically for the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes was the leading rusher for the Chiefs and that one was 61 yards. Michael Hardman was also the leading receiver for the Chiefs in that game with nine receptions for 76 yards. Dawson Knox had a big game as well, 117 yards on three catches and one touchdown. I think this is probably more of a regression to the mean type thing in this game where they go back and forth for a little while, a high-scoring game, but ultimately I do think the Chiefs have a better rushing attack um, and are able to throw a little bit more at the Bills. I understand you can say, well, Bills have Singletary, they have Moss, they have Breida at times, and then, yeah, Josh Allen, that's a very nice rushing attack, but I think the ways that they can use, the Chiefs can use backs out of the backfield with Williams being the pass catcher, Alaire being the runner, and Williams, we saw when Alaire went down, did extremely serviceable. I will give the edge, defensive-wise, to the Bills. If they are able to force turnovers against the Chiefs again, like they were in the first meeting, and they have Patrick Mahomes throw multiple interceptions, then I feel really good about the Bills in this one. But ultimately, I do think that the Chiefs find a way to win this game. Patrick Mahomes has a big game. I would imagine Travis Kelsey is going to have a big game as well if it does shake out like this. So I'm going to go with the Chiefs over the Bills in the divisional round in the AFC, setting up a Titans-Chiefs rematch. Then we shift our focus to the NFC, the Packers hosting the 49ers. This would be a rematch of a week three game that already had happened where the Green Bay Packers were able to eke out a win over the San Francisco 49ers. A lot is made out of home field advantage in the NFL playoffs, especially at Lambeau Field, but looking at some records since, um, it really hasn't been 
a huge factor and all that much of a home field advantage for the Packers, um, I believe, since Brett Favre left. Um, Take that as you will. I do think it could have some bearing on the game, but I don't think it's going to be anything crazy. Going back um, a couple years ago, the 49ers beat the Packers in the playoffs. Um, It'll be interesting to see how the 49ers defense goes about stopping Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones. Um, It'll also be interesting to see how healthy and how good the Packers defense can be in this. Um, I really am not... I try to be impartial about this, but I do not want Aaron Rodgers and the Packers to win the Super Bowl. Um, Obviously, they can win two games before that happens. Um, I do think the 49ers pose a threat to the Packers, but I do think ultimately that the Packers will be able to get a victory in this game over the 49ers. So I have them advancing um, to the conference championship weekend. Looking now at our last divisional round matchup, we have a rematch of a game already previously this year. The Buccaneers hosting the Los Angeles Rams. The first time this happened, the game was in L.A., but the Rams were able to get a victory 34-24. Matthew Stafford had arguably his best game of the year, 343 yards and four touchdowns. Sonny Michel had 20 carries for 67 yards. Sean Jackson was the leading scorer in that one, but... Um, for the Rams receiving wise, you had Cooper Cup with nine catches for 96 yards, Van Jefferson for 42 yards, Higby with 40. Um, and then looking at the Buccaneers in that game, Tom Brady, 432 yards for the air and a touchdown. Um, he was the leading rusher for the Buccaneers that day with 14 yards and one touchdown. I think that is going to be the key in that game. Um, can the defense of the Rams get pressure on Tom Brady with Von Miller, Aaron Donald, and can they make it a little one-dimensional to where the run game is a little obsolete, and if they are and they're getting that pressure on Brady, obviously everybody knows the recipes for success against Tom Brady. Get home rushing forward so you can drop back and have time. I think the Rams are going to be able to do that, and I do think the Rams are going to win this game to set up a matchup in the conference championship game with the Packers. So I'm going to go with the Rams over the Buccaneers. Keeping with the NFC for the conference championship, the Packers will be hosting the Rams, a rematch of a game that already happened this year. The Packers winning that game 36-28. Matthew Stafford with an interception for a pick six in that game and a fumble. The key for the Rams this entire postseason, and especially in this game if they are to make it this far as I'm predicting, is going to be Matthew Stafford cutting down on pointless turnovers if he can go and protect the ball and they can run the ball well and that defense plays up to its caliber the Rams I think are one of the most dangerous teams in these playoffs but it ultimately starts and ends with Matthew Stafford protecting the ball if they are to make it this far this game is going to hinge on him not turning the ball over and playing his best game of the year In that game, previously Aaron Rodgers, 307 yards and two touchdowns. He also ran for one. And A.J. Dillon had 20 carries for 69 yards. Um, Odell Beckham had a touchdown for the Rams in that one. Devontae Adams, receiving-wise, had 104 yards. Randall Cobb picked apart. Um, didn't pick apart, but was able to find the end zone in that one. I can't imagine that's a whole other thing happening 
In that game, though, in Conference Championship Week, I will take the Rams over the Packers. I just think consistently on a week-to-week basis that the Rams' defense is better than the four, than the Packers. Excuse me. And I think they do find a way to win, leaning on the run game, and Stafford cuts down on turnovers. I have the Rams being the NFC champions. And then looking at the other game in the AFC, we have the Titans and the Chiefs, a rematch of a game that happened previously this year that surprisingly was won by the Titans. The lowest outscoring, excuse me, the lowest points total for the Chiefs that year with only three points. Patrick Mahomes was only able to have 206 yards in interception. He was also the leading rusher for the Chiefs in that game. Ryan Tannehill had a touchdown, did have one interception. Derrick Henry played in that game, 29 carries and 86 yards. Um, Titans got off to an extremely fast start in that game. They were up 27-0 at halftime. I can't imagine that's going to be the same exact thing that happens again. I do think that the Chiefs have gotten better since then. Um... Just looking back at their last game last week, they had a game, they had a drive in that game. It was like a 90 yard drive, 17 plays that resulted in a touchdown. If the Chiefs are able, I don't need them to do that every drive, but ultimately the Chiefs are known for like these big splash plays that go for big yards and they get points on the board in a hurry. At times, it is beneficial to have those long, sustained drives where you just take what the defense gives you, you're plodding down the field, and then you highlight that with a touchdown. If the Chiefs can have one or two drives like that, I don't need 17 for 90 yards like that, but if they can have some sustained drives, like one or two of those um, built into each game in these playoffs on top of the big splash plays that they are known for, then the Chiefs are going to be extremely dangerous in this entire playoffs. It's going to be, um, it's going to come down to the Chiefs offensive line, which has been okay, I think at best this entire year, um, going up against the Titans defense that gets a lot of pressure on the quarterback, but Mahomes, as we know, is good, mostly when he's not running for his entire life. Um, Flashbacks to the Super Bowl from last year, but uh Normally pretty good against the pressure and evading and things like that. Um, I have a hard time thinking that the Titans are going to make the Super Bowl. Um, I just don't know if Tannehill is that type of guy, like a quarterback that you can think leading that far. But you go and you say, well, Jared Goff got a team to the Super Bowl. Jimmy Garoppolo got a team to the Super Bowl. So, I mean, Joe Flacco got a team to the Super Bowl. So, like, I'm trying to put away, like, preconceived notions and, like, not biased, but like, is Tannehill like good enough to get them there? Um, ultimately, I don't think so. I do think the Chiefs end up winning that game and they are the champions in the AFC. And then looking at the Super Bowl, just if everything shakes out how it is, the Chiefs going up against the Rams, a home game for the Los Angeles Rams. I could see that being an extremely high-scoring game. Um, Maybe not as high-scoring as the Monday Night Football game that happened a few years ago, but probably pretty up there because I think both of the offenses will be able to move against each team's defense. Um, Turnover-wise, Patrick Holmes isn't really known for that, but at the start of the year and a little bit through the middle of the year, he was forcing um, some passes and was turning it over. Stafford has... 
a history of turning the ball over, um, which if the Rams are going to make it that far, he's going to not have to do, but maybe um, his history rears its head a little bit in the Super Bowl, and there are some turnovers by both quarterbacks. Um, I think if it gets to that point, it's whoever turns the ball over the least because I think both of those teams are going to be able to move the ball up and down the field on each other um, because there's so many weapons for both teams. But uh, I will say... Given that, I would take the Rams over the Chiefs just because I think they have the better offensive line. Um, I think they have a better running game, and I think the defense is better suited um, to get pressure and cause some of those interceptions by Mahomes that have really plagued the Chiefs in key games this year. So if looking at all that, I would go with the Rams over the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, which I can't believe I'm saying this. Um, Things have really shaken out. A lot differently now that I've written it down and talked about it and everything. Um, I did not suspect myself buying into the Rams like this, but uh, here we are. I will next week come on. Um, I'll have this sheet. I'll tell you I was wrong. I'll tell you I was right. And I will preview the games as they go um, from there. But just an outlook onto the NFL playoffs before they get underway. I want to get it out to you. So here it is. And if all's well that ends well, um, the Rams will beat the Chiefs in the Super Bowl in Los Angeles. We now move on to some college football talk. Just a small brief little segment to recap the NCAA championship game. And I guess a little way too early look ahead at some preseason top fives for next year. So, as I'm assuming most of us, if not all of us, know, on Monday night, the Georgia Bulldogs were able to beat the Alabama Crimson Tide 33-18. In that game, Stenson Bennett had 224 yards and two touchdowns, two humongous drives late in the game when it was needed. Most, um, White, the running back for Georgia, 84 yards and a touchdown. Um, Bryce Young for Alabama after losing Jamison Williams uh, to an ACL tear early on in the game. 369 yards, a touchdown, but did force two interceptions. Alabama was out their top two pass catchers with Mechie out and Williamson, um, Jamison Williams, excuse me, leaving the game with that injury. Robinson, the back for Alabama, 22 carries for only 68 yards. Georgia's defense well, excuse me, Georgia's defense was advertised, was swarming, um, made a ton of adjustments after that first game in the SEC Championship where Williams was having a field day, Metro's having a field day um, in that secondary. They made a ton of changes. They are able to get after Young as well with pressure and blitzes. They were able to stifle the run with Robinson. Um, it was an extremely impressive game. As I said, Bennett coming up and having two huge drives um, late in that game. Uh, Georgia with the pick six at the end to seal it. Um, extremely impressive performance by Georgia. It's hard to beat the same team twice in a year, and that was just further proven um, last Monday where Georgia was able to get the victory. Um, happy for Georgia, I guess. Saban winning seven would have been seven or eight, I believe, would have just been outrageous. I will say, looking at the schedule for next year, Alabama has what I really think is described as a 
cupcake schedule. Um, more than likely, they'll be preseason number one. They bring a lot of guys back. Obviously, Bryce Young. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he can continue to develop um, after winning the Heisman this last year. Looking at it right now, they are the preseason number one in this way too early top 25. Number two is Ohio State. Uh, they are making a ton of changes to the defensive side of the ball, coaching-wise, which has really plagued them this year. C.J. Stroud is back. Jackson Smith and Jigba is back after his incredible performance in the Rose Bowl game. It'll be interesting to see how the new offensive line coach with Justin Fry there, if he's able to provide a bit more stability for that offensive line and help Henderson, the talented, will-be sophomore, um, really reach his full potential, and if that can be um, unlocked, then I think that offense becomes even more dangerous because at times the run game last year for Ohio State was just, it was there, it was okay, but it wasn't really up to the standards of what Ohio State was. That offense should be fine. It's all big question marks for the defense. Georgia sitting at number three, um, but... Coming back, um, they end their 41-year national championship drought this past season. Um, Stetson Bennett, he's eligible to return for another season. I imagine he will. Um, I can't imagine JT Daniels is going to factor into quarterback play. Um, I think Bennett, if he's back, he's the guy. They lose a ton of defensive talent, but... Kirby Smart does a hell of a job recruiting down there. Um, he's got four and five stars just lined up, ready to take positions. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, but Georgia's sitting there at number three. Sitting at number four, Texas A&M, the number one recruiting class in the country, number one recruiting class um, ever. They do bring in defensive coordinator um, DJ Durkin, who I'm not real fired up about. Um, there's been questionable activities about uh, but it'll be interesting to see how the offense can continue uh, to progress they lose four starters this past year um, on the offensive line so if that the new guys that stepped in this year can continue to grow and develop then I think they have a good chance to make some noise but I think four is a little too high and then sitting at number five in the preseason way too early you have Michigan I think they are due to take a step back um there's rumors of Harbaugh leaving to the NFL, possibly he's entertaining offers, all this. Um, who's to say right now it's a way too early top 25, but I just don't think if they are there to start the season in the top five that they don't finish probably in the top 10, but uh, you never know. But uh, had a fantastic time watching college football this year. Um, probably my number one sport that I care the most about with Ohio State and being an Ohio State fan. Um, I'm, I've am i said it before and I'll say it again. I'm so glad I don't let um, a game played by 18 to 22-year-olds determine my life happiness for the foreseeable weeks after a game. I, I actually do most of the time, but it's a little joke. Um, but, again, we close in. It was nice to get the college football playoff predictions right with Georgia coming out on top. Congratulations to all the Georgia fans, and uh, I cannot wait for next season. We now are going to switch focus one more time and going to just talk a little bit and give you some predictions for some upcoming college basketball games. 
In the world of college basketball, we have a ton of good games coming up. As I had mentioned, the conference play has started. Um, in the Big Ten tonight, Thursday, January 13th, Ohio State, 16th in the country, goes to Wisconsin. 13th in the country, Wisconsin has rattled off five straight wins since losing to Ohio State in Columbus. I expect a tough game, but I do think Wisconsin ultimately does come out on top in this one. Uh, Davis has played extremely well for them. Um as of late, since that last uh, loss five games ago, I do have Wisconsin winning that one. BYU goes to Gonzaga. BYU is a tough opponent for Gonzaga, um, traditionally in the WCC, but I think being at Gonzaga helps out a ton. I am going to go with Gonzaga in that one. Um, on Friday, Michigan goes to Illinois. I do have Illinois winning that one. I expect Kofi Coburn to have a big game in that one. On Saturday, Tennessee comes to Kentucky. Um, Kentucky needs a big win this season. They've got a couple okay wins so far. Um, North Carolina, but they do need, I think, maybe a signature win to get things rolling. This is a great opportunity. Tennessee's defense is extremely good. They forced 20-plus turnovers in their last game. Kentucky needs to be good with the ball. It'll be interesting, and hopefully they get Xavier Wheeler back um, because that offense runs a little bit smoother with him um, at point guard. So if he's back, I do like Kentucky. If they're, if he's not back, I do think Tennessee comes into Lexington and gets the win. Moving on down, we have West Virginia going to Kansas. Kansas coming off a big win earlier this week uh, against Iowa State, a last-second shot. I will go with Kansas in that one. Texas, number 20 in the country, going to Iowa State. I'll go with Iowa State in that, in that one to rebound after a tough loss um, to uh, Kansas earlier this week. Looking on down the line for Saturday, not much there. Sunday, we have another tough game for Ohio State, welcoming Penn State on the year. Not really tough. Penn State's at 8-6. and six. Um I do think Ohio State's able to get that. And then Villanova hosts Butler on Sunday. I'll go with Villanova in that one. On Monday, a top 25 matchup between Purdue and Illinois. A two-tough game stretch for Illinois. I predict they beat Michigan, but I do think Purdue and Ivy and the rest of the Boilermakers go into Champaign and get the victory. Uh, Looking at games for Tuesday, um, Ohio State hosts IUPUI. That's crazy. Why are we doing that in the middle of conference play? Hate that. Uh, Duke goes to Florida State. Florida State, middle of the pack, meandering at 9-5 this year. Just keep an eye on that one. Um, Iowa State goes to Texas Tech. Texas Tech handing Baylor their first loss of the year previously this week. It'll be interesting to see if they can keep momentum rolling and get another upset. I think they can. I will go with Texas Tech. Um, a big game in the Big East, Providence and Seton Hall as well on next Tuesday, the 18th. I'm going to go... Providence in that one. Um, Providence basketball with Nate Watson as their leading scorer. I like what he does a lot. He's shooting 56% from field goal range. Um, I just think he's going to be able to provide a spark and beat Seton Hall. Uh, On Wednesday, Kentucky goes to Texas A&M. LSU goes to Alabama. Um, I like Alabama in that to to rebound after a loss um, earlier this week against Auburn. Auburn looks fucking legit and really good. That same day, Auburn hosts Georgia. um, Auburn continuing to roll. And then we swing back around um, to Thursday where 
Purdue goes to Indiana. I think that's going to be a tough game, but I would go and seek out watching that because it is a rivalry S type game. I will go with Purdue though to beat Indiana in that one. And that is going to do it for um, the college basketball preview for this upcoming week. A lot of good games. Um, go out of your way to watch a bunch of them. Those were just the top 25 matchups that I saw that caught my eye. So looking forward to all of those games. That is going to do it for episode 97 of Carson Sack. Again, a little bit shorter, abbreviated one. I will be back next week, more than likely, with a mail sack. So keep your eyes peeled for Snapchat and Instagram so you can upload and ask your questions. And I will read them here and answer them here. Um, A lot of exciting stuff going on right now in life. Um, Glad I could get back in front of a microphone and record this and give you a NFL preview, um, wrap up the college football season, and talk about some college basketball. Thank you for tuning in to episode 97 of Carson Sack Podcast, where we talk balls. And as we always end here on the sack, we will be seeing you.